Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello everyone, welcome to the Kingdom Hour, Kingdom Mandate today. Hello. Hello. Panel Shalom, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Panel guests can please join in. Hello, welcome everyone. We'll be with Hello. Good, good afternoon. We'll be joined in with uh, some of the other guests shortly here, and we'll go ahead and get started. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, very good. Good, good, good. Oh, you know what? Hold on one second. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Kevin, fine, and you? Good afternoon. How are you doing? Fine. Excellent. Excellent. It's good to be with you again. Always good to be here in the midst of uh, fine sisters and brothers of Christ. Yes. And we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, we are expecting another guest to be joining in with us um, today as well. And as, okay. but we're gonna go ahead and get started as we're waiting for them to join in. Um, okay. I want to say good afternoon and welcome to the Kingdom Mandate for Blacks Globally. As our special panel guests discuss the topic, tradition and religion versus the Holy Bible. Tradition and religion versus the Holy Bible, and that's going to be a very interesting topic today. Um, so I know that we're going, to, we will all be fed well. 
Uh, before we begin, we will open up in prayer, and uh, may I ask Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris, can you please open us up in prayer? Absolutely. Father, we just come to you and say thank you, first of all. We thank you that you are God, your Elohim, El Shaddai, and we just honor you and bless you. We thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity to join together in, in discussion, Father. We pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that um, something will be said to help break down any walls, to change mindsets, God, to allow us to go into the direction that you would have us to go when it comes to operating in your kingdom, God. We thank you, O oh God, for the challenges that we face, God, and we honor you because trials help us, O oh God, to become better and stronger in you. And so we glorify you for this, God. I pray for each and every panelist, every listener in the name of Jesus, uh, that you will be able to speak to us, God. And we only declare your word and what you say and not our opinions, Father. We thank you, O oh Lord, for this opportunity. We lift up Dr. Donna right now. And we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you will bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, woman of God. Um, we'll continue on, but before we start, I want to ask uh, the panelists to please introduce yourself and share about your ministry before we get started. And I want to start with Dr. Sonny Agbomo. Um, you're muted. Your microphone is muted. Well, this is uh, Dr. Sonny Obama. I serve God and uh, we are here to serve God. And I have been born again for many years. And most of the time, I really didn't know God until I began to make my heart ready for God. So recently, we've started a ministry, the Dockers Ministry. And what we do is to help people, to train people, and to be able to stand on themselves. Because we don't believe we just want to go there and give you something to eat. Then tomorrow, you, you start to look for something else. But we are out there to help, especially those who are widows, orphans, those who were like me when I grew up, because I grew up in a bad shape. So, and I hope we will be able to discuss some of them today. So those are just a summary of what I do. And um, let me leave the, the, uh, the time for others to share theirs as well. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Amen. And um, Chaplain Kevin Grace, please share about yourself and your ministry. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dr. Ganny, once again, it's a pleasure being with you. It's a pleasure being with my brothers and sisters again. Um, this time of uh, study and reflection. Um, my name is Pastor Kevin Graves. I'm also a certified chaplain. Uh, my assignment uh, is as a clergy liaison for the 32nd Precinct in Harlem, Manhattan North Division. Uh, my role there is to bridge the gap of fear and distrust 
between local law enforcement and police. And as you can only imagine, I have my uh, hands full right now with uh, trying to uh, fulfill this assignment. I thank God for it. I thank God for his precious Holy Spirit that has uh, led me, that has uh, given me the strength to be able to minister not just to law enforcement officers, but also to the community that these officers have sworn to serve and protect. And uh, it's a pleasure being here. It's a pleasure serving the Lord in, in, in that capacity. And I'm looking forward to uh, this collaboration. God bless you. Amen. I'm excited uh, about seeing what you're doing out there on Facebook. I've been seeing some of your posts, so it's very nice. Uh, and, and I know God will continue to use you greatly. Um, may I ask uh, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris, please share with the audience about yourself and tell them about what you do. Wonderful. Well, coming after those two, I feel like I need to be doing more. So I'm just blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed to be in their presence. Oh, my goodness. Um, so my name is um, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. I just go by Dancia for the most part. I'm truly just a servant of the Most High. Um, uh, I and my husband are in ministry together, um, Reverend Leon Morris. Uh, we are. We normally just serve just the youth and young adults. And when I say just... Um, because God has expanded that, and especially radio and um, podcasting and so forth um, to different areas as this this new season has allowed it to be. And so just tapping into the potential of different different young people throughout the world now, and then bringing them in mostly by coaching and counseling and um, just meeting their needs. There's um, There's a lot to be done in the world. My biggest thing is praying. I'm being a prayer warrior and I'm joining in with different um, groups and organizations as I pray and help sustain and hold up their organizations in prayer and also in the prophetic. Amen, amen. And uh, you're also to a singer as well, right? And, and a writer, a songwriter. And an author, published author, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to have you here. And we also have with us Elder Colin Lewis. Please share about yourself and um, ministry or whatever you're doing out there now. Shalom and good afternoon to everyone. Um, as Reverend Moore said, I am uh, super excited and elated. I, I almost wish that um, I could just sit back and just glean from this because because I already know from the first one, there's so much that I can learn. Um, I always consider myself a student of the word. And so I thank you, uh, Dr. Donna, for hosting this yet again, and everyone that agreed to be a part of this. Just a little bit about me and my, my wife. We, we two, like others, uh, partner in doing this uh, walk together, uh, still trying to uh, move from servants to becoming friends of God uh, by doing the work. And so right now as far as ministry goes um the two of us have been trying to gather those who we know absolutely without a shadow of a doubt love the lord but are just finding it hard right now to find a church home and so to uh try to prevent them from getting too far uh removed from hearing the word of god we host uh, bible studies and different things of that nature just to keep people 
uh, engage with the word and encouraged by the word. And so that's some of the things that we do. And other than that, we do like others, we go out and do uh, what we call Meals on Wheels, where we take food to different people who we know can't get out and about. So it's just all about doing the work of the Lord. And so I'm, I'm really excited about today. I'm excited about this topic. And so, yeah, I just thank you. And I'll defer to uh, others to share. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm excited to hear about what all of you guys are doing. You guys are doing a great work um, out there. There's not many people having in them to do it. And it sounds like you have a heart to help others, which is a blessing that is serving the Lord. And um, I want to say again, good afternoon and welcome to everyone to the Kingdom Mandate for Blacks uh, globally. And our special panel guests are going to discuss the topic tradition and religion versus the Holy Bible. And we're gonna talk about why it's so important um, for us to understand in this hour, especially Blacks globally. Uh, we wanna point it out and we wanna get into the depths of it. We're gonna look at some raw issues uh, that are out there. And the, the first question I have for the panel guests, starting with, um, let's start with uh, Elder Colin Lewis. What are some of the examples that are traditions or of religious nature that you know that are performed culturally and that are not in the Holy Bible? Um, since our first topic uh, discussion we had, I really began to look into some of the traditions that I've partaken in. Uh, and, and a lot of those traditions that we've partaken in, again, it was not according to any scripture there was no precept for doing it it was simply this is the way we've always done it and so i want to start by saying that i've also learned that um, although we all may not um, attempt to do it on purpose we all have our own traditions uh, so every church and i don't care where you go they all have their own traditions because the tradition uh, is not necessarily something that's bad I want to start and say that all traditions are not bad. Um, they become bad when you look at the fact that they take you away from the word of God. So I wanted to start there and to share with you some of the traditions that I've, I've myself have partaken in. Uh, I don't know if you all can see me, but there was a time when we would be in church and you would need to go to the restroom to excuse yourself. And we would all kind of put our hand up tuck our head just a little bit uh, as a way to be excused. But I don't think we understood where that came from. And that was a time uh, frame during slavery when you were uh, asked for permission to, to leave the maybe say sanctuary and the master would have to give you permission. You putting up your finger would be a sign to everyone that you were given permission to do that. And unfortunately, even today in 2020, I've been in churches and I still see people do that. Um, again, that was something I was raised to do. You don't just get up during the church service and, and move about. Mm. Uh, you could really find yourself in some hot water, especially if the pastor or the preacher was bringing forth the word. It was almost like you would just have to, you know, hold it until you just, the service was over. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just one of the... Uh, 
traditions that I've seen. Um, and we can discuss others, but I'm really excited to hear some of the others. But that is one that has particularly stood out to me because it shows a consistent and a constant mindset of how things are just simply passed down. They're never investigated. No one ever really took the time to say, why do we do these things? We just simply do them because everyone else is doing them. Mm -hmm. And then when someone says, hey, this doesn't line up with the word of God, then they're challenged and chastised and almost seen as being rebellious. And so that's just one of the, I, I wanted to share that one because that was one that I did for a very, very long time from a child all the way up to adulthood until I learned the truth about it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I certainly can remember some things from when I was a child and I grew up in the Baptist church um, as a child and there was, I think it was quite a bit, uh, a lot more stricter back then. And I can't say that it was a negative thing um, though, because after being in, you know, various church environments, I can't say that it was all negative. Some of it had as good um, parts to it, and some of it certainly had, um, you know, his bad side. So, um, Brother Kevin, uh, Chaplain Kevin Grace, can you please share uh, some examples of traditions, tradition and religious activity that maybe you experienced when you were growing up or even now? Uh, looking back at my church history, um, I cannot think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, I do know when we took communion, there was a certain order that was required of us. Uh, I didn't see anything wrong with that. I was very young. So uh, we waited online and I believe we had to take a knee or we, or we knelt, knelt down and we took communion. But I also want to uh, touch on something else as well. Um, I want to talk about superstition. Um, we have been inundated with superstitions. And believe it or not, <laughs> there are some of us in the body of Christ, whether we know it or not, knowingly or, or unknowingly, still hold on to superstition. What do I mean by that? Let me, and, and I'll be brief because there's, a, there's other panelists that well, would like to share. Uh, there's, a there's a horseshoe superstition, which dates back uh, many decades. Uh, there was a, uh, a saint by the name of St. Dunstan, uh, who was uh, appointed as uh, Archbishop of Canterbury back in 959 AD. And the story goes, if, if you already know, that, sorry for belaboring the point. This was a blacksmith. Dunstan was a blacksmith. And he was approached by a man. And this man had requested that he would fasten uh, horseshoes uh, onto his feet. But Dunstan, the blacksmith, recognized this man as the devil. So he fastened a horseshoe upon his hoof, causing the devil great pain. And uh, the devil, uh, in great pain, had made a promise never to enter into a place that had a horseshoe, whether it was upright or in a downward position. So this is why we see today many of us uh, in the body of Christ and out of the body of Christ will hang horseshoes above their doorway 
Mm. What is the significance of this? Uh, the horseshoes, according to the superstition, the horseshoe super, uh, superstition is supposed to bring good luck or good fortune. That's one example. Uh, there are objects that some of us may have, such as amulets and, and talismans. Mm -hmm. And these are, these are objects which are used for their power. They are used for the purpose of uh, warding off evil spirits. Uh, if someone gives you the evil eye, then you wear the evil eye. So it's amazing how uh, uh, the horseshoe, which is actually an object which is used to, to ward off the evil eye, the talisman or amulet is known as the evil eye, believe it or not. So it's actually used according to the superstition now uh, mm -hmm. for good. Uh, and of course the evil eye is also considered to be a negative thing when someone glances at you or gives you a certain look. Um, the superstition goes that if you had this talisman or amulet on it would in essence, if anyone should look at you or give you that evil eye, it would it would uh, 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 reflect that evil force or that evil look back to the individual who looked at you with that particular glance. Mm. So, uh, like in <laughs> in Christendom, what what do we do? We say, "Return to Cinda in the name of Jesus." That is how we respond. But with regards to the evil eye this is what that particular object and this is what those who wear these the, these objects this is what they're this is what they're anticipating this is what they're hoping for they they feel that there is power in that object now how does this line up with the word of god it does well mm -hmm. if we read in deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 10 i'll quickly go there just for the sake of time uh, these are things that we should not be doing and mm -hmm. scripture clearly tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 10 reads there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch oh Hezekiah's son Manasseh did all of that he was only 12 years old when he took power, when he became king of Judah. But nevertheless, he engaged in acts that were considered abominable. He caused his sons and daughters to pass through the fire. Uh, he, he was an observer of times. He also erected, he erected a, a, uh, an altar to Baal. And all of these things, again, uh, became an abomination to the Lord. So what am I saying? All of these things are, are things that knowingly and unknowingly today we are still doing whether you're in the body of christ or out of the body now if you don't know about these things then we need to pray we need to say lord i thought this was a good thing help me to understand the spiritual significance of the talisman of the amulet of 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 the things the trinkets in my house that i thought were considered good that were passed down mm -hmm. from generation to generation lord expose those needs amen absolutely and dr sunny Obama. Ah. Thank you all. Pastor Grave, I completely 
agree with you, what you just said. And uh, remember at the introduction, I said I was brought up in a very uh, difficult way or what you can use to qualify it, okay? So I will give my example quickly. If, if it, my example can take a long time, but I will try and uh, summarize. You see, many people are born, they are born into different family. Some are born into a religious family, some are born into a Christian family, some are born into a Muslim family, some are just born and they find themselves out. But myself, I was born into a chronic, if I can describe it like that, idol-worshipping family. If I, in fact, if, I, if you give me time, I can trace it back to my great, great. But to cut it short, you see, I grew up in a family where we worship idols. And even when I was growing up as a kid in my elementary, so I would, I would, I was always within my family because people come from outside to come and consult them because they have all kinds of gods, uh, God of the sea, God of thunder, God of iron, and so many of them. And you can basically walk into a room what you see there is all clay pots of concussions and all kinds of gods. And they will tell us, don't go in. There is a big snake there just to discourage us so that we don't go in. Mm -hmm. So that's how I grew up. And there are times when they come and consult them, they will, they will prescribe all kinds of uh, things to bring. Uh, they will tell them, you go and bring goat, you go and bring uh, cock, go and bring food, bring uh, uh, all kinds of meat. Sometimes it is based on your income. They have, we have already assessed them that they can afford it. And, and in fact, psychologically, these guys, they, they believe that the more you prescribe to them, the more the God will work for them. So they bring all those kind of food and uh, they kill it, kill the goats, sprinkle the blood on the, on the gods, and uh, the remaining one, sprinkle it on the person, and we take the remaining part, we cook it. And when it is cooked, I was always the guy who we, because we have gods everywhere, some are in the backyard, some are on the side of the house. So I'm always the one that will go and give food to those gods at the back and on the side of the houses. So that's how I grew up. Then as I grew up, you know, I attend, you know, I, I told you I, I, during the beginning, I said I go to elementary school. And in the elementary school, we're an Anglican school. So in the school, we, 
I had a religious knowledge. So reading Bible. So I, I, I find it so weird. Now I am in the school, I'm hearing about another God called Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And they are teaching us the Bible, we are learning, and it's so sweet. Now when I get home, I'm the one to go and give food to those girls. Mm. So I was like this. You, you cannot believe it. I, I was like this. And, and I'm a kid. I don't know. Ignorant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. If I, when I look back, I shake. I, I shiver. If, if not the grace of God, I, I literally shake sometimes. I say, wow, did I do all those things? And I pray, I begin to separate myself from those gods, those covenants, those relationships, those serving of idols. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. not until I went to high school. When I went to high school, uh, you see, God, God is interesting. There were schools in, in where I grew up in the city. But he made me went to a village school outside the area so that I, when I look back now, I now know the intention of what he was doing. So make me now, so I was like, why do I have to go to a village school very far away from home? I would travel far, but not knowing he was in the process of releasing me from those gods. Mm. So when I went to high school, so all of a sudden, the friends I was with were those, you know, SU scripture, you know? Those are, were my friends. I, I had no interest in other groups. You know, when you go to schools, there are different groups. There are groups who do not study, and they just bully and all that. But I stood with God, those who were reading, they were fasting, praying. <laughs> They were Christian Union. So those were my, my group. So we always pray fast. That's how I began to learn about the Bible when I went out. Mm-hmm. But when I go back home, I, like holiday, I'm entrenched back. <laughs> but I actually, uh, I actually saw his relationship with him when my mom died. When my mom died, that is when uh, everything began to crumple, and at the same time, I had traveled out of the country. So when I traveled out of the country, then I began to see what the Lord did with Abraham when he told him in Genesis chapter 12 to leave his country, to leave his family. Mm-hmm. I began to see that. But so, so that when I left the country, mm-hmm. That was when I realized that I had been banned by those things. Then I, I called back to my family. I called back to my uh, other sisters. I said, please, throw away those things. I have no mm. relationship with them anymore. Yeah. Throw them away. I don't want them anymore. So that's how I began to uh, get separated from them. And when you see the way we worship mm. in those times, those were what they were doing at that time 
in the book of Leviticus. When you read Leviticus chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, you see how they were offering all kinds of burnt offerings and all kinds of peace offerings. Why are those people bringing those goats to uh, my family? They want peace. They want blessing. They want a change in their life. But they did not know the true God, you see. So those are the tradition that when you go back to Africa today, it's still there, mm -hmm. you see. And many of those families, they try to combine it. You cannot combine it. You cannot serve idols in the name of culture or in the name of tradition, then come and serve Christianity on Sunday. Then after Sunday, you drop back. No, it's not back forth, back forth. No, it does not work that way. So let me stop that, stop now so that I give time for others uh, to contribute. Thank you. Thank you too um, for sharing us. It's good information and I hope there's someone out there listening and learning from all of this as well. Um, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. Um, go ahead. There were several things that I thought of because I came up in a very traditional Baptist church here in Arizona, and a lot of preachers came from the South, and they brought those traditions, and so did my, um, my parents. And so I wanted to touch on what um, Elder Colin said, because a big thing, and I stopped this years ago, because after studying, I... You know, it wasn't necessary in the church with the holding up of the finger and you held up either a number one or a number two. Mm -hmm. And so it was a signal of how long you had permission to leave. And so I didn't want nobody giving me permission to go to the restroom. So I, I stopped doing it at the age of 11. And so, but what I realized is that it was, it, it was, it was disrespectful to a lot of people in the church and sometimes I would be sat down or I would, um, I couldn't, Usher wouldn't let me come back in. And so we had to begin to school people and educate them on what that meant. My biggest thing that I really wanted to talk about is um, the church building fund, which is a huge tradition in the black church. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I still don't understand it. Um, I know why they do it, but the Lord really wanted us to be um, tithers and give our offerings. And then that was to build up the church. <laughs> and so it, 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 it was interesting to me because we missed Malachi. We missed all of what God had in store for us for years. And, yes. and please understand me, my, my father, who would be 104 right now, and my mother's who's, who's in her 80s, mm. they just had a different understanding. My mother now understands um, but they just had a different understanding and they operated in what they could operate in to help the kingdom of God. That was their way. And so I don't condemn it. I say, educate them, um, give them a biblical found, uh, a foundation of understanding of what the principle, kingdom principles really mean. And so I'm not saying I have it all because maybe years later, there's some children, this next generation that will grow up and get a better understanding than even me. And I'm okay with that. But right now, I'm going to get all the understanding I possibly can. So the church building fund has been a huge um, 
I'm going to say a thorn in my side because a lot of times I didn't see where it went. And I said, well, you know, oftentimes, why don't we, why, why aren't the tithes and the offerings being brought forth? And then God blesses that and utilize that for even bigger. And so that's a big thing for me. And then the other piece of that is people feel, some people feel like they can tithe. Listen to this. Some people, and they tell me this, and people tell me, because, you know, we have better jobs and we live better and so forth. Some people tithe wonderfully, give an offering and think that's it because of what was trained. But we miss the piece according to Luke, um, the, the 11th chapter, and I think it's around the 40, 42nd verse. Um, it talks about not forgetting justice and the love of God in that tithing. Matthew and if we miss the piece, yeah. Matthew 23, and I think it's also in Luke 11. And Luke as well, Luke as well. You're right. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I am, if we, just because we tithe as tradition or religiously, and we miss the justice and love of God, we miss the bigger picture of what God wants us to do in the body of Christ. And that's why some people aren't blessed because you, if you, you can't miss the ingredients. I, if you miss the eggs in a cake, you gonna mess the cake up. I'm telling you, it doesn't taste the same. You miss, <laughs> you miss some um, the sugar. Let me tell you, it's not as sweet. It's not as delicious. Right. And so we can't miss the ingredients. It's so powerful to me because if it wasn't for um, studying God's word, I would not have gotten this. Yeah. And so religion tells us it's right, but but kingdom, the love of God, His word tells us that that's wrong and what's really right. right. So that's the only thing I wanted to bring to that table. That's good. I love that. I love it. Oh, everything that's coming out today, it's much needed for the body of Christ. And uh, Bishop Dr. Priscilla Tulia, uh, welcome. And our question is, is what are some of the examples that are traditions and religious that you know of that are performed culturally and that are not in the Holy Bible. Can you guys hear me okay? Um, uh, Bishop uh, Priscilla, you muted. Oh, sorry, I'm on now. So good evening, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> sorry, I'm in late to. Um, in in some way. Well, about the traditions, one thing I see that is, lots of things I see that is done today in the um, church that is not scriptural. And I see a lot of uh, mixing up. But if I want to go through this route, I see religion, tradition, and the Bible as different sides of the same coin. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And that means that God created everything, created life, and gave life principle to run by. So what I'm saying is that before the church advent, before Christianity, before anything, the people lived based on certain traditions. And those traditions were based on also the word in quotes we call it the bible 
but there are principles that God has, you know, given that runs this world. Now, it extends down to our time. We imported some of these things, you know, into what we are doing. For example, she was mentioning tithes right now. We know that tithe is a scriptural thing. Jesus said in the book of 23 of Matthew, he said something, he said, you would have not omitted the weightier matter and still do other things. Now, but in our nowadays church in Christianity, tithe is also misunderstood. Tithe is also abused. Tithe is also misapplied. For example, I did a personal study about tithing. And I never saw in the Bible where tithe was used to build a church. Tithe was used to feed the Levites, the sojourners, the widows, and all that. So I came from a Catholic background. So I grew up into Catholic. I didn't have opportunity to see anything traditional or all that. But in the church, I see the scripture being misapplied. I see the scripture being used out of ignorance. And this is a good place to tell us that, you see, mm. one cannot know the truth. For example, I'm a pastor of a church. It depends on how I grew up. If God reveals to me the truth of the scripture, it will flow down, you know, to my people. But from my own understanding, Christianity as it is today, you know, has different a mixture of uh, orientation or background. Things were smuggled into the Christian fold. Like, uh, let me use Christmas, for example, um, uh, Easter celebration. Even though they are in the scripture, they are not from God. Let me use that language. Mm. I studied about Christmas also. I saw that Christmas has to do with ancient tree god called Yule. How the uh, uh, Roman emperor had to bring in some things into the you know, faith in Christ to be able to capture the people and get their attention. So things yeah. like Christmas are not scriptural, but it's done today in the church. Mm -hmm. Things like Easter, Easter is seen in the scripture as a reference. But right now, we've used it to substitute for Passover. You understand me? Mm -hmm. So that these are the little things I see that you know, we do in the church that is really, really not scriptural for me. Yeah. It's, it's mixed, all mixed and blended, um, mm -hmm. but not according to God's sovereign will and his yeah. mandate for man and the earth. Yes. And um, it's all true. Everything that's being said is true. And so what does the Holy Bible say about these things? What does the Holy Bible say about traditions and religious acts? Um, you know, some of them that you have disclosed. What does it say about it? Because it is a, um, so confusing to the body of Christ because they're being taught over and over and over the same thing by people who were taught by other people and never really took the time to read the word of God themselves. Um, mm -hmm. They never took the time to go into the depths of it. And, and you know, we saw repetition in the Holy Bible with God's children where he kept coming back or sending the prophets to say, this is the way. And, you know, when the prophet is told to open up the Bible, you know, they were doing some things they shouldn't have done when, you know, Moses directed them back into the right path and, and so on. God would send so many people to bring them back into the right path. And here even Jesus came 
And he's saying, this is the kingdom of darkness. This is the kingdom of light. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, like you said, we say that we are following Christianity, which is following after Christ. But are we truly following after mm -hmm. Christianity? So what does the Holy Bible say about these traditions and religious acts that you have disclosed? Um, Elder Colin Lewis. Um, everything that thus far that has been said has truly blessed me because um, as I'm growing and learning, I'm, I'm always tr I'm trying to ensure that I remain uh, faithful, accountable, and teachable. So I'm thankful that I'm hearing these things because uh, the book of Jeremiah uh, chapter 10 says, uh, learn not the way of the heathen. Mm -hmm. So what we do is because in our own minds and even in our hearts, we may not, it's like what uh, Dr. Sonny was saying, we may not intentionally be going against God mm -hmm. in our minds. Mm -hmm. But the Bible is clear, it says, learn not the way of the heathen. And so what we've done is we've not only learned the ways of the heathen, we've adopted them. And now it's become so comfortable for us that it's hard to let it go. Uh, uh, Dr. Priscilla mentioned Christmas. So uh, we all know that uh, here lately, they've even X'd out Christ in Christmas. They just put, they call it Xmas because there's no, it was never about him in the first, but it certainly is not now. And mm -hmm. so as we learn these ways of the heathen, be it Easter eggs and bunny rabbits and all of these other things that have nothing at all to do with Christ, the entire purpose of the Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation is to point us toward Christ, the Messiah, to teach us that he uh, is the Messiah, who he, that's why the prophets came to tell us who he was and what he would do for us. And then he came and he walked it out uh, in an uh, extraordinary manner to show us. But we've picked up so many uh, bad habits, poor thinking, uh, as, as Dancia was saying, even with building funds. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've been in church for 106 years and your building is still not paid off. That, there's something wrong with that. Uh, but the moment you begin to have those uh, conversations, uh, you're seen as an outcast. So one of the things that the Bible clearly says for us is to not to learn the ways of the heathen. So although I, I may bring a statue of Buddha in my home because it matches my cow, that's wrong according to the Lord. Now, I could justify it and say, well, I'm not worshiping Buddha. I know who he is and I know who Christ is, but why would I want to bring him in my home? No matter how cute he may be, no matter how decorative he may be mm -hmm. uh those things uh have no place here and i had to do the same thing with uh some of my egyptian artifacts that i used to have i used to love i can't even remember her name uh but there was a necklace that i had bought my wife and she told me i thank you but no thank you i'm not wearing that um because it just to her it was a convicted a conviction that um that i will serve no other gods but him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have to always go back to, as you said, the word of God and remember, we are not to learn the ways of the heathen. And heathen does not just simply mean someone who is unlearned or does not know the Lord, because there are a lot of people that profess Christ, as Dr. Sonny was saying, we profess Christ on 
mm-hmm. Sundays or Saturdays. Right. On Monday, we're living and doing a total different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to go back to what does the word say about our feast days, about the Sabbath, about all of the things that we have been taught to ignore or to uh, denounce that the Lord says, I want you to do. We have to get back to doing those things if we are to please him. Amen. And Dr. Sonny Agbomo. You're you're on mute. You're on mute. Unmute. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. This is awesome. Yeah, I just love, I enjoy all everyone is saying. It's just so amazing. You see, when we look at because when when I hear all this, I just begin to see scriptures. Now when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. He said, you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. See, we need, we, as long as we are still in, with culture, we are still with this tradition, we are Gentiles. We, are, we have not been grafted in. So we are carried away by what? Dump idols, even as you were led, even as we are ignorant. You see, look at verse three. He said, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God called Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? need to continue to understand the word of God, read the Bible yourself. Nobody's going to read the Bible to you. You have to enjoy the Bible, take the Bible by yourself and begin to read every day. Nobody's going to interpret it. The anointing that you will have, it will help you to understand the word of God. Look at what we were talking about, money, tithing, and look at the... Uh, 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 in the area of uh, giving and receiving. And how about the area of redemption? You know, Paul also said, uh, Peter also said in the book of first, in the, in the book of first Peter, the first Peter chapter one, verse 18, he said, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. That's mm-hmm. a tradition. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we, don't, we don't invite people and say, come, let me pray for you. Bring this money, I pray for you. Freely you, you receive, freely you give. But we see this happening today in many churches. Until you come in with this, you are not recognized. Until you come in with this amount, you are not giving a table, a special chair to sit on. Until you come this, you are not recognized, and so on and so forth. You see, these are traditions that will quench the power of God that we receive. It will quench the spirit of God in us. So I cannot tell you, brother, sister, this is how you need to act. But you see it now in that same in that same Corinthians chapter 13, okay, that same Corinthians chapter 13, 
He said, wherefore I give to give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus a cause. So it, it, you yourself will discover that this is, this is God. You know, I gave myself, I, I, I used myself an example when I was growing up. I knew clearly that what we were doing, it, it was not, there was, there was no reconciling. I go to school, we are reading about Jesus, come back home, it's idols. I was just like that. So the Spirit of God will, it will, it will tell you that you are not doing things right, mm -hmm. that you are not growing. So you have to read the Bible. How will you, how will you grow? How will you begin to have intimate relationship with your father? You know, like I always say, in, in a question of time, we will not be here. That is a fact. If Jesus does not come today, one day we will meet who brought us here. We didn't come by ourselves. See? I always say that one day, one day we will meet him. What are we going to say? Very important question. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah. let me leave it for others to contribute. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you too. Um, Bishop Dr. Priscilla Otulio, um, what does the Holy Bible say about the traditions or religious acts um, that you we've been discussing so far? Yeah, when we talk about tradition, what comes to mind is always the episodes of the Old Testament, the laws of do's and don'ts as we know it from the Old Testament. But if you look at what the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 15, Christ was re rebuking the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. He says, you transgress the, 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 the commandments of God by your tradition. You understand when you talk about the, uh, children honoring their parents. Now, where I'm going to with that is this. God may have led you to initiate something or God may have led you to do certain things by the Spirit of God or by the Holy Ghost. Let me use that more appropriate. God may have inspired the Holy inspired you to initiate a thing or to do certain thing at a certain time in the New Testament church, mm -hmm. in our church, and then he uses it to do certain things. Now, if yeah. you begin to repeat that thing without the Holy Ghost, it's still tradition. Yes. I want to refer to what they did in um, Numbers, mm -hmm. what the Lord told Moses to do uh, the bronze serpent. We all know it was inspired. God used it to do what he has to do to heal the people. But later on, they began to burn incense. It's also tradition. Mm -hmm. You understand me? So the scripture is talking about tradition. Let us don't focus only on the Old Testament. Even in our churches today, when we repeat something without the Spirit of God, it's tradition. Every time you do something, for example, something happened you know, back here in Nigeria, and it caused a whole stir. It was a, a, a it was going on the internet, rebuking this person, talking, and I saw the face of the Lord. This is a servant of God, a New Testament preacher of the gospel. Now, what went wrong? And the speaker was telling me, when she began her ministry, she got this instruction from the Spirit of God. That was about 30 years ago. Now, 30 years ago till today is a long distance. That thing was inspired for that time and that season. But she kept repeating that thing 
it became a tradition. You understand me? So the scripture is against doing things void of the spirit. Anything you do, you adopt void of the spirit. It's a tradition. Yeah. If God wants you to heal somebody today, does not mean he will do the same thing again today. So we should not focus only on the Old Testament do's and don'ts. Let us come to our New Testament this day, today. Mm. We are also involved neck deep in tradition by repeating the same thing all over and over again. I've got myself into trouble many times. How? Based on my call, based on what I do with the Lord, based on how the Lord leads me, I worship with certain churches, and I can see through what they are doing. For example, somebody picked up the microphone and began to mimic Benny Hinn. He watched the video of Benny Hinn. He saw how Benny Hinn was you know, being used by God or how he was led to do some things. He began to do the same thing. And you could see through that it's not the spirit of God that again is tradition. Something else happened. Sometimes, you see, the Bible says, mm. unto the Lord shall the gathering of the people be. When we come together in the name of Yeshua, the name of Christ or Jesus, we are serving him, we are there, making ourselves available to hear him, to lead us by the Spirit. But what I see today in our churches, even in the, let me use the word, our churches, you know, New Testament churches, we edge out the Holy Spirit by our traditions. That's what Christ was referring to in Matthew 15. We cut off the Holy Spirit from the beginning to the end of the service's tradition. Three o'clock this, four o'clock this. It's good to bring order, but not to the point of edging away the Holy Ghost. Oh because it's the one that is given unto us mm. to teach us, to guide us. And we can read great things that was done by the, by the uh, apostles in those days because they were led by the Spirit of God. So even in our time, in our New Testament churches of today, let me use that language, we are still doing tradition without us knowing it. And Jesus Christ condemns it. That we negate, we, we render null and void that which Christ came to, the, I mean, the work of God or the commandment of God by our tradition. So we shouldn't go back to the Old Testament and say, this is what tradition means. No. Right here in our days, we are still engaged in this tradition. And anything that we do repeatedly, void of the Spirit of God, is a tradition that negates the power of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Um, Chaplain Kevin Graves, um, share with us what the Holy Bible says about traditions and religious acts. Uh, just in listening to everyone, uh, I'm learning a great deal. Uh, God bless. Uh, tradition has become a slave master to the Christian church uh, wow. in this sense. Mm. Uh, we are inundated with tradition. Um, let me use the example I used in our last meeting of uh, the circumcision. The circumcision is an outward demonstration of faith in Judaism. And that outward demonstration is supposed to be a sign of an inward change, just to add to what Bishop Otuya was saying. Mm -hmm. 
we can do the traditions and the religion, but void of the Holy Spirit is just traditions and rituals, and we do it over and over again. I'll also use Yom Kippur mm -hmm. as an example, where Jews would come together and they would uh, acknowledge their sin and they would repent of their sin. And this is done every year, every year. So you sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. Where is the restoration in that? Where is the deliverance mm. from your sin? Where is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, which is in the Old and New Testament? Where's, where is the renewal? Mm -hmm. Jesus yeah. said, he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right. So in our tradition, we have missed the mark. And God is saying, I'm not in your tradition. I am not in the tradition of the elders. Mm. And yet you, 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 you talk about my disciples and how they didn't wash their hands, but you transgressed the commandments of God. Mm. So there, excuse me, there must be a spiritual transformation. Otherwise, as I said, it is just doing, yeah. it is just religion. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're just, uh, we're, we're just uh, religious devils, <laughs> so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to actually go back and then go forward again. Um, I grew up in a Catholic household. And I'm going to get into transubstantiation, which is connected to the communion. I'll get into that later. Uh, but I used to love to draw pictures of Jesus. And I did it faithfully. And why? Because we have calendars in the home. Or there's pictures of Jesus. Uh, in my grandmother's uh, apartment, and I would love to draw. That, that, that was my passion when I was much younger. I would love to draw. And I would draw pictures, whether he was white, black, to a child that's insignificant. But then the scripture says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Now, that meant nothing to me. That meant nothing to me. Not until much later, as I became more mature, as I began to study, as I began to even question my own faith, and even question what is the purpose behind denominations. Lord, where, where, are, where is denomination? I know you have the 12 tribes in, in the Old Testament, 12 tribes of Israel, but where is denominations in the New Testament? Where did this form? You know, it's, it cannot be found because it is not of God. Mm -hmm. This is man-made. And if we go back to uh, the Protestant Reformation, 16th century, uh, when Martin Luther broke from the Roman Catholic Church, and that's mm -hmm. how we got the, the Lutheran Church and all the different denominations and sects of Christianity. So I don't identify with any denomination. And I, I'm not being different. I'm just saying I can't find denominations in the Bible. So mm -hmm. I can't identify with it, even though mm -hmm. we have Baptist church, churches, we have Pentecostal churches, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, some of the, so on and so forth. And I asked, I said, Lord, where are you in these denominations? Mm -hmm. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. So it's not only Catholics are entitled to salvation or only Pentecostals are entitled. No, 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 no. The whosoever's, the remnant of God, whoever they are and wherever they're at, mm -hmm. God bless. And, and again, 
these are just some of the things that I grew up with, just to add to question one, moving forward. And you cannot find any denomination in the Bible. It's not there. Um, with, with regards to images, we have made the image of Jesus an argument. Is he black? Is he white? I look at the region of where he came from. He was a man of color. He came from a region where these, this, these were people of color. And it, we have to understand where that comes from, where the Michelangelo paintings come from. What is the significance behind it? What is the, the, the subliminal message of this painting of Jesus? What is it depicting? <clears throat> Are you trying to tell me that God is white? Is that the message you're trying to tell me? Now, if that is the message you're trying to tell me, it is up to me now to prove that that is actual fact. And if it's not, and we know that Jesus even said that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, now I can start to begin to lay a foundation of saying, hmm, I don't know about what you're saying. It doesn't line up with scripture. Right, right. I'm going to stop there. Wow. It was getting good. <laughs> I was enjoying that. <laughs> oh, Reverend Dancia Jones Morris, please share. I mean, I'm just, all of this is coming out is almost making me want to speak, but I'm going to keep quiet. Mm. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Say what's on your mind. Oh, not at all. Go right ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So I am, I am moved um, by everything that has been said because one of the things that I wanted to bring out, it is, um, well, first of all, there is a difference between tradition and traditionalism. And traditions are instructions. If you look at the Greek word, paradosis, it's instructions that are passed down from one generation to the next. So it was the practice of in instructions or whether they were man-made, whatever the case is, or from God that they followed. And it was, the, it was the living faith of those who are now gone on. What happens is traditionalism comes into place now because we practice something that may have or may not have come from God, but it literally is a dead faith of those who are now living. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about that, you're talking about they've lost or we have lost or whoever has lost whether it be there or now, we've made something um, traditionalism. We have practiced traditionalism. And as a result, the spirit of God has, replaced, has been replaced. And so I love what everyone has been saying because it is about the spirit of God and what instruction he gives. Mm. And as a result of that, I think about um, when um, Samuel had to choose a king. And God said, um, spoke to him and said, 1 Samuel, I believe it's 1 Samuel 16. I apologize. God has to just bring stuff to my remembrance because I'm not good at remembering scripture. But I, 1 Samuel 16, I believe it talks about where he says, he's looking at Jesse's son. And he says to Samuel, um, you're looking at the outward. You're looking at the tradition of what a king should look like. But I'm looking at the heart. And when you get down to all of this, it's about where is your heart? And does the Holy Spirit encompass what's in your heart? Is the Holy Spirit in your heart? And so when we think of, I loved what you said, um, um, Chaplain Gray, 
what you said, and I'm looking for it, I put it down. Tradition has become a slave master to the church. Absolutely. It, and, and it has deadened our faith, true faith in God. And not only that, it has caused us to believe. And I think of how people come in and we, we were to wear our best to church. I mean, we were to dress up. And I'm not that girl. I'm the girl who likes to wear some sweatpants and a t-shirt and put a cap on. That's me. But I had to wear a certain outfit and I had to be a dress, a nice dress and then we were dolled up. Now I like, like to look kind of nice, but I'm not about the outward appearance. Right. And so bring it back. And so it reminds me of our attire when we come in. And so people got caught up in the attire. And so they brought on and they kept these traditions, but it became traditionalism, which is dead faith. Mm. And so the reason why people came in with an attire, and I'm going somewhere with this, people came in with a certain attire for the slaves was because they wanted to dress up and that was giving God their best. Mm. In their mindset, so it wasn't it wasn't bad during those times because that was their what they could give God, but we have made it such a bad thing, which becomes dead faith. And so when we have dead faith, we have traditionalism, and as a result, yes, it becomes our slave master. Yeah, <laughs> because we. It doesn't have that was so powerful what Dr. Priscilla said. It, it, we have to have the spirit of God in whatever we do. Yes. yes How we yes. look at and, and denominations, I don't agree with denominations either. So I don't associate with the denomination mm -hmm. either. I go to um, a co congregation where we celebrate who God is in Jesus Christ, and it's not there's no name for it. And so it's because we're the church, and that's just me I, i'm whatever anyone else wants to do that's perfectly fine but i'm telling you we have made this our god and that and god says i will have no other god before me mm -hmm. and when traditionalism has become a god that's where i sit on that yes please do uh i was um talking with a young man uh, not even a month ago mm -hmm. and uh, the conversation was around denominations and he's a scholar of certain words and he broke down the word denomination wow. for me I have not yet been able to find if this factual but I like the way he broke it down uh, DE is yeah. you know in this sense of the word means to divide mm -hmm. uh, NAMI means by name and nations are people so you divide the people by name mm -hmm. and that's and true. that's as, as uh they've been saying that's what we've been doing for so long to the degree that we don't even understand that we're one body fitly joined with one head and when you look at it from a denominational standpoint there's like 11 or 12 or 13 different heads all speaking of Christ, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're not saying the same thing. So I just wanted to share that denomination from what he was saying, and I'm still looking to study mm -hmm. it and search it out, means yeah. to divide the people by name. And if you look at it, that's what we've been doing. We, we can't even come together in a service to really just worship God and say, 
you know, all praises to the one king of Israel. We don't do that. We say, we do it this way, you do it that way. And so since we do it differently, we can't even come together. And then I'll pick out little things that you do as far as how you baptize, how you do your offering, how, how you dress, like, like Vince was saying, even how you dress um, and make that more of a focus than saying, let's come together and to raise and, 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 you know, lift up the name of, of Yeshua. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, you, you said something very deep, uh, Reverend Dancia Jones Morris, when you talked about wearing the clothes, the, the outfits, you know, how important it is now in the church. And, you know, it brought something to surface, you know, and I'm going to tell a story about this young lady. Well, she's not young lady, but, um, you know, she had cancer and she, she has her own business and she's just struggling because she has to pay her own uh, cancer fees and everything. And she, so because she was so sore, she just put on a jogging suit, but she wasn't going to church, but now she's looking for God. You understand? And so she put on this jogging suit and she goes to this very popular church and they wouldn't allow her to go in because she had on this jogging suit. Wow. You know, and when she told me that, it just broke me because I was like, wow. Because all she wanted to do was just go to church, you know, to get some relief, to, to hear of God because she, her mother had died. So her mother used to teach her about God. So she's going now to look for God and they wouldn't allow, allow her to go in, you know, because of the jogging suit. And that's pretty serious. That's religion. Mm -hmm. And not only is it religion, it's, because you have cameras going that you want people that look a certain way to be seen in those videos. And that's very challenging. The body of Christ, we have to grow up now. Um, we have to grow up. We are pretty, um, we should be well past that stage. Well past it. So let's look at this now. How are religious acts performed in the church that we see today different from those written in the Holy Bible? Because, I mean, we're already getting there. We're talking about it now. Um, you know, and one person, I think uh, Chaplain uh, Graves mentioned the fact about where you know, the disciples were going to Jesus Christ. I mean, they were walking with Jesus Christ and they were eating um, with their hands. And, you know, the <laughs> Pharisees came and started challenging them on it. But <clears throat> we all know that they were not the actual target. They were actually trying to target Jesus because he's a rabbi. He's with them. And they're trying to tear them down in the midst of the population, you know, to say that, you know, you, you look at the teacher and his teaching them. And, you know, it's of the elders that we wash our hands. And it was very, you know, much brought out that it was just the elders traditions 
It wasn't nothing that was written or that was orally translated from the actual teachers of the law or the prophets or the commandments. It was just a tradition that the elders did. And I'm not knocking washing hands. And I know, I hope that there's nobody out there that's, you know, coming against that. But I'm not, I'm not knocking washing hands because we know certainly we do need to wash our hands. Um, we, we need to clean, we need to do those type of things. And, um, but they were taking it to the point that just like the situation with this young lady going with her jogging suit on, you know, they were taking it to the extreme and not considering the weightier matters of mercy, faith, love, justice. Um, as Jesus Christ said. Um, let's start with um, Chaplain Kevin Graves. Yes, yes. Now, now I'll now I'll talk about uh, transubstantiation, which is the um, which is the uh, communion in the Catholic faith. Um, not all Catholics believe this. Uh, a few, I've been told about a third of Catholics believe that when they take communion, that the emblems, the bread and the wine, changes over to actual flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. This is called the transubstantiation. Um, not every Catholic believes this. And certainly those who are of the uh, Protestant faith uh, don't believe it as well. These are emblems, these are symbols that we, that we use. Um, I also want to point to, uh, well, actually, let, let me stay on that subject since, since I started there. Um, we use, in my church, we use the, the, uh, the crackers and the grape juice. It's probably Kadeem grape juice. Mm -hmm. And this is our way of remembering the broken body of Christ, remembering the blood that was shed for us. And so often as we do this, we do this unto the remembrance of the sacrifice. And another thing that we have a tendency of doing as well, uh, in some churches, uh, some churches take communion every Sunday, some do it um, once a month. Um, I want to focus on the as often. You might take communion every day. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. So there's no restriction in the Bible that says you can only take communion only on Sundays or once a month. You take communion as often as the scripture says. So this could be uh, after praying. When you pray in the morning, you may decide, okay, Lord, this is my way of remembering the sacrifice that was made on my behalf, on the behalf of your people. So you may take communion. So uh, there are some that have said, oh, we only do communion on this day. Uh, no, they, no. Take communion as you are led. Of course, discern your body, as the scripture says. That's very, very important. Uh, we need to follow this, the, uh, what, what the scripture tells us with regards to discerning the Lord's body. So there are guidelines uh, and there are instructions uh, before we come to the Lord's table. We make that very, very clear because it is an observance. 
This is our way of remembering. Um, and I see it also as a message of deliverance, as it was the Passover, Pesach. Um, this is a very holy day in, in the Jewish faith. And this is a day of remembrance, a day where the children of Israel were liberated and set free and delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians. And they were, in essence, uh, journeying into God's promises for, for their lives. We, too, uh, when we come to the Lord's table, we must do so in reverence. We must do so with respect to what this means. What does this mean to the believer? This means that, Lord, I now have access to the throne of God. I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> mm. That, Lord, you have shed your blood. Your body was broken. Mm -hmm. Every sin, everything that I have done wrong. I, I make it personal. I make it personal. Everything that I've done wrong, you have taken my vomit upon yourself. Mm. And thank you doesn't seem to be enough yeah bread and juice doesn't seem to be enough i, I lay on my face and I, I i say lord how can i repay you i can't mm. so when we go to the lord's table mm. we do so because it's personal right we don't do so because this is what the church does lord. on sundays this is not just a tradition on observance. Lord, I am coming to you because, Lord, you did it for me. Yes, Lord. Yes, and I Lord. thank you for what you've done. So forgive me if I come to your table every week, every day, to give you glory, to honor you. Yes, Lord. We'll stop. Yes, Lord, Lord, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you for that because... <laughs> Mm. Jesus, you're telling the truth. <laughs> My God. Oh, Yahshua, Hamashiach, Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me one second. Uh, I'll be back. Lord. Dr. Sonny, um, please share. You just see what happened? That's what I'm saying. Mm. See? If the Spirit of God is not there, you will know. Yeah. So if you are there in your work, in your action, in your activities, you are talking Holy Communion, eating, drinking, the Spirit of God is not there. Yeah. It's just a tradition, just a culture. Yeah. It does not work. Yeah. Nothing works. Prayer does not work. You will not feel nothing. Therefore, we need the Spirit of God. Ask yourself if the Spirit of God is in this or not. It will tell you. Yeah. You see, it, it will quicken you. It, it, will, it will let you know. It will say, go ahead. <laughs> you saw it now. Even I was weeping. We are weeping. Yeah. Do you doubt this? Just come in contact with the Spirit of God. Ask Him. Touch me. Let, let, me to, let me do a great thing. It might just be one action the Spirit of God will tell you to do. That's it. It's not telling us to do what you cannot do or what will kill you. No, it's a good father. 
Mm. So it will quicken you, it will help you, it will touch you. You see? So we need to ask God in everything. You, you need him. If you are in a service and they are not in activities with the Holy Spirit, it's a deathless. I'm sorry to say so. So you need the Spirit of God in your walk with the Lord, in your reading of the Bible, in your asking to protect you, to guide you, in, in, in your daily life. We cannot walk without the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of God that helps us today. Mm-hmm. So you desire Him. Okay, and not just walk because it's, this is how we always do it. This is how my church is doing it. This is how everybody is doing it. This is what has been done in the past, so we have to do it today. This is my seat. I keep sitting in that seat. But has the Spirit of God tell you to continue to sit in that seat? You have to ask the Spirit of God. You are, we are not the master. He is the master. Absolutely. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, too. Oh, Bishop uh, Dr. Priscilla Atoya. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is so interesting because it reminds me of certain things I observed, you know, growing up as a young minister of God, even up to recently. When it comes to maybe things like when we have Thanksgiving services, I know a few of my acquaintances or associates that get into a frenzy. Why? Because there's a standard they have to get to. Mm-hmm. We have to make food. We have to dress in some sort of way. And they go as far as borrowing money to do all those things because they want to make impressions. And I'm like, if you have, if you have to go through all this burden, all this fear, all this things you go through, then where is the spirit of God? Now, what is thanksgiving in the first place? We say we are doing thanksgiving, we want to thank God. Mm-hmm. We know what it is to give God thanks. But you are thanking God, <laughs> so God from the beginning of the thanksgiving service, you have it all planned out. Mm-hmm. This time, come with your offering, we dance, 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 we drop. We bring two bags of yam. There is no room for us to hear what God is saying. A service that is meant to honor God. A service that is meant to appreciate God. Okay. In my little understanding, I believe if you're thanking God, at least allow people to give their testimonies of the good things that God has done. When they bring up the mic to share testimonies, you give them, you cut them off. But when it's time for you to begin to raise offering in a Thanksgiving service, you begin to raise offering. You want to build um, one thing, you want to do something, you start raising, you start raising funds in a Thanksgiving service. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is somehow. Then something happened, you know, during in my in my one of one of my WhatsApp group, and of course I pulled out because you said this is a, a, a WhatsApp group of ministers of God. And then one of the ministers came and reported an incident that happened. He said he was driving somewhere in the morning and he met this lady with a Bible entering some places to preach. She was wearing this uh, cropped uh, top and uh, uh, trousers. He had to park his car to harass this lady. And he was like, why would you be preaching the word of God dressed like this? 
Mm. And I, I almost went into a fit. I said, do you know what happened to her overnight? Let's assume she was a prostitute that God encountered overnight. And then God moved her to go and share her faith as a mark of what he has done. He told the woman at the well, he said, go, you have five husbands before. Go right now, you know, and see no more. The woman left her water pot and went to the city immediately to tell the people what she has experienced. But here are men of God, I'm very sorry to say, rebuking somebody for going to preach the word of God dressed in some sort of way. Without you understanding why she did that. You understand me? One more thing again is making impression. We plan everything. We package everything. This is what we have to do. This is how it has to look like. Something happened, you know, within me and a brother. He was he was living in Germany, and he had the call of God according to his story. And then because he refused the call of God, he had an affliction according to him again. So when I met him back, when he came back to Nigeria, I met him during my ministration. Before then, he doesn't go out. He's always locked up 247 because he became ashamed of his condition. Both arms got paralyzed. He was so thin and skinny, he, he cannot go out by himself. So I ministered Christ to him, talked to him and encouraged him. From then on, he began to go from place to place, preaching the gospel of Christ. Now, he contacted some churches. He wanted to share with them his encounter with Christ. But when they see his appearance, he was paralyzed in both hands. They would not let him testify. They mm -hmm. want to hear testimonies of how God healed that hand, mm -hmm. not of salvation. We forget that Jesus Christ healed 10 people in the Bible. Only one came back to give God 10. What about the remaining nine? So these are the things I see that gives me a lot of concern. It's so deep that we have lost track with the Holy Spirit. And like the Bible says in Hosea chapter 9, if you go out as someone inspired in the church today, in almost every church, you'll be persecuted. I tell people, if you want to know where Christ is glorified, if you want to know where the Spirit of God dwells in any denomination, just go pray fast. And if God gives you a revelation, go and share it with that church. You see, they will not allow you to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to come to Christ? Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to come to Jesus? So these are the things I observe that, you know, as eating deep into our fabrics, that we need to really, really pray for God to help us come up because it's, it's hindering us seriously. That is why, again, we are praying because, you see, we are predictable. I've had friends tell me, today you are doing this, today you are... I said, how could it have been? The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, as sons of God. And the Bible says, the wind blows where it wills. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going to. So is a man born of the Spirit. And I told him, I said, the Lord taught me something. He said, if you are a combatant soldier in the battlefield, that moment you are in the battlefield, you do not do anything regimental because you'll be an easy prey. It is when you are in the barrack, you're not in the war front, but you're not fighting, you can afford to live a regimented life. But when you are in the battlefield, you do as the occasion demands. And I said, that is why Christians today are easy prey because of religion. 
they know what you will do when they slap you. They know what you say when they talk to you. That is why you see they come at you all the time. Jesus Christ said something. No, we were, so let me close it this way. We were in the pastor's meeting three years ago. These are senior pastors, archbishops, bishops, and then apostles. That was the cadre of people that were in that hall. Now, somebody came forth and asked the question. If somebody comes in here with a machete to attack you, what would you do? Some said they would turn the other cheek. And the Bible said so. Some said <laughs> they would pray. And some said, I will pick up the next available weapon to defend myself. Yours truly, the house was divided. And, I, and that day, God made me to see the, the deep chaos we are in. Because if the senior ministers cannot agree on what to do, then we are in trouble. Mm. Why was it divided? Some people felt it is wrong to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Some people felt you have to turn the left cheek. But we forget that these things we quote in the scripture was situational. Different situation, different times. Jesus Christ himself said, when, pastors, when I sent you without force, did you like? They said no. He said, now, if you don't have sword, sell your coat and buy sword. Because mm -hmm. he knows what was going to happen at his demise. So Amen. this thing really, really dealt with us so much that we need to really, really pray and ask God to help us because he's doing us serious, serious damage. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And uh, Reverend Dancia, Jones Morris. Well, I'm in agreement. I'm going to be very short because I am so, uh, I'm telling you, I probably just could have fell off this chair when um, Chaplain <laughs> Kevin was sharing that. And I just wanted to go into worship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. On that. Um, because I do partake daily, um, um, especially during these times, I partake daily. I always want to remember everything Jesus Christ has done for me. And if I could tell my story one day, um, I would. Um, I, I wanted to yield my time to everyone else because I feel like I'm not well versed on this particular question. But what I do agree with is the thing that I was thinking about was how often we partake in um, communion. And I can tell you, it has been, even in this time and day, I've been criticized for taking it daily. Mm. And it's, it's interesting because I, I thought, you know, the word said, for as often, and it doesn't say right. daily, or, or monthly on the first Sunday, which was, you know, the tradition that I grew up under. Um, and I couldn't understand this as a child. My mother actually helped me years ago. She said, it doesn't matter just whenever you do it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited because my mother had the spirit of God, as Dr. Sonny has been talking about all these years. My mother is an awesome woman of God. Um, and she's still coming to the knowledge of a lot of different things, but she would say, I don't care when you do it, but when you do it, understand why you're doing it and be thankful to God when you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. And she said, and have the right, the, once again, the right spirit mm -hmm. when you're doing it. And so 
that was the thing that came to my mind um, for years as a child. So I don't understand and, and the transparent why in these days that we're so stuck in tradition that we were willing to criticize those who want to remember God daily or even twice a day or three times a day. It is um, in this, and I'm talking during this whole pandemic, you know, Christians, leaders, pastors have said something to me about it. And so it's, it's interesting that we've been so stuck and we're talking about traditions, so stuck in that it has to be a certain time that we can't understand the spirit of God and the, not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And so um, it, I don't, this one is very hard for me because I well, in talking, listening to everyone, I understand now it's because we have, we have conformed to mm -hmm. something that is not of God. And so that's really all I have to say about that one. Jesus. And, you know, this, this topic is just like, you know, you see a lot of broken parts out there. You see a lot of people who are running to the wrong spaces now or that are just running off by themselves and not getting the support that they need because of religion and tradition. Um, the letter of the law, but not the spirit, the Holy Ghost of the law. Um, Elder Colin Lewis, what would you like to say now? Yes, ma'am. Um, as it relates to how things are performed today as it was uh, during the uh, times of the Bible, um, this is how uh, much of an understanding that I have of communion. We were talking about that. Um, if I'm sick in any kind of way, any kind of way, my first thought is to get communion. It is not to go take medication. This is not to go to a doctor or to an emergency room. I'm not crazy enough to say that I believe that uh, if something were uh, drastically wrong with me that I would not go to the doctors. But that's just how much I have faith in the healing power of his body and his blood. And I understand that that is just simply uh, like a type and shadow. But it was also a type and shadow for those in the Old Testament when they would kill the, the lamb and pour the, door, the blood over the doorpost. It was really just another type and shadow for them. So to me, when you say what religious acts are performed in the church today that were not in the Bible, I think one of the main things that we've, we've missed out on is honoring the feast of God. And I'm not saying that you have to honor the feast in order to be saved. It's, it has nothing to do with that. But it is, it is just like we were talking about with communion, which is a, a part of Passover. I believe that the other six feasts are just as important because what it does also is keep you in remembrance of what uh, Christ did for us yeah. when he came. 
you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is it's a remembrance of how they had to leave Egypt in such a hurry that they didn't have time for the cakes to rise. So for those seven days, we go without any leaven that we uh, partake in. We don't have any bread or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about first fruits, all of these things is when Yeshua came out the ground, when he rose again. So when you understand those uh, feasts that are in Leviticus 23, it really is just another way for you to add to your faith. It's not say uh, that these things uh, must be done or has to be done. But when we ask the question, what would Jesus do? We clearly see in the New Testament that he honored the feast day. Right. Right. So that's why I continue to do so. It's not to make me any better, any worse, but it is just for me to constantly keep my mind. It's like it says in Isaiah 26. He will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him. And, and me honoring the feast days, and I believe if others were to really even just, uh, I look at them as rehearsals so that when he comes back, because I really believe that when he comes back, we're going to do all of these things. Remember when he said, I won't drink of this cup again until I return. So that's the reason why I believe that we've stopped rehearsing uh, the feast days. And I think that has really turned us uh, to a way that we come into traditions, as they were saying, you do uh, communion one or, you know, it just cross your mind one day. You haven't done it in six months and then you decide to do it. So I would say that that would be one of the things that I think that collectively as a body, we could go back to doing. And I think that would even draw us even more closer to him. Um, amen. And and I want to make a diff, um, make a point here based on what you're saying. Um, Jesus followed the Passover. It says as it was customary, and Paul did, the the um, rest of the apostles did. So it never he never did say take it away. You know, he did actually do it, and we're all followers of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to point out. Um, so we, he, there were traditions of men that were not favorable before him because he pointed them out often in the Word of God. So when we talk about traditions, we're looking at the traditions of men and not so much as what the commandments or what God said to do perpetually, which is forever, um, you know, to not extract from the word of God. So when we're talking about traditions, we're talking about these traditions of men uh, and women that are not in the Holy Bible. And when we're talking about religious acts, we're talking about religious acts, which are precepts and laws of men and not those that are in the Holy Bible. So I want to make a clear distinction there because we don't want to take away from the word of God at all. As uh, mommy said earlier, you know, let's not even look at the Old Testament laws or the commandments we're talking about these religious acts that are precepts and laws of men that the lord says was an abomination to him 
Um, and I'm going to just point out some quick scriptures real quick, and we're gonna, um, I wanna open up the line um, also too to uh, the audience and if you have anything you would like to share at this time you can feel free to do so um is there anyone that if you have something you would like to share anything you would like to say feel free to if you want to chat it feel free to do so you're welcome to do that and um, we're going to give you an opportunity to voice anything you would like to say at this time welcome <laughs> Reverend uh, Mavis Obosi, yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, I've been hiding behind because, um, you know, there's a lot of noise and then, uh, but I've been listening to everything that everybody is saying and this is so amazing. And it's scary at the same time because uh, what I'm getting right now is uh, the fact that some of these customs and traditions are actually preventing uh, people from knowing God and also uh, people from doing what they are supposed to do as children of God. So I'm sitting here and I'm asking myself, so what are some of the, of the things that we can actually do? Those of us that are here, what, are, what is the way to change things? Because um, it, it is scary, it is scary. Right now, the year that we are in, it is all about souls. It is all about people coming to know God and people getting into heaven. And if all these traditions and customs are prevented, preventing people from coming to know Christ and coming to have a good relationship with Christ, for example, like you go to church and if you are not dressed a certain way, you are not welcome. People feel like they don't belong to the church anymore. And we are losing souls. We are losing souls. So mm -hmm. what can we do? I wish there were like a thousand people on the conference right now so that we can start doing something right now, 2020. Jesus needs souls and, 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 and change things that people will be comfortable to come, you yeah. know, to yeah. embrace Jesus, to, 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 to just really love God to, with no restrictions, with no restrictions. Because it's Amen. all about souls at this point. It's all about souls. Amen. So what are some of the things that we can do? We are only 10 people here in our own small ways. What are some of the things that we can do to change some of these things? Amen. Okay. I, that's an excellent question. And as always, I'm a solution-oriented person. So we're getting to the solution of what can people do now to know the way, the right way. And what can we, the body of Christ that are awake, that do know, what can we do? Um, and my own um, assumption, you know, the word of God in its rawest nature, in its purest estate, is the best solution. We teach it as it is. We assimilate it to the population. We implement and teach it. But one thing is is what we're doing now is making sure that they know that the way that this is not the way this is the way just as jesus did he said this is the kingdom of darkness this is the kingdom of light so we have to bring out what is darkness and we have to bring out what is light and then we have to teach what the infallible word of god says by the holy ghost 
you know. And that's what we've gotten away from is not bringing in the Holy Ghost with the Word of God. We have implemented agendas. We have brought out, you know, things that fancied and motivated, but we didn't bring in the Word of God in its purest context that we can break up that marrow, that we can uproot that, uh, you know, those fallible things that are there, that we can make it infallible by the word of God and according to his word by the Holy Ghost. That, that's the answer. Um, we have to stop playing with souls, you know. We have to stop playing around with the souls that God have given us to bring to him, you know, because it's not about us. It's not about us bringing them to us. It's about bringing them to Jesus Christ. And so if we play with those souls, we're, we're wicked. We're just flat out wicked. And we have to not do that because we have to tell them the truth, what the word of God says, and bring them unto the Lord. Attach them to the vine. John chapter 15, and let them lean on the vine and suck and drink from that cup, that bread of life. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Amen. That they can walk away. Amen. 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 And still be refreshed because they that's a cup that never runs dry. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what they need. Mm. We can't keep giving them ourselves because we'll will wreck, mm. will become tired. Mm. We got to give them Jesus Christ. Yahshua Hamashik. We got to give them the root. Mm. Amen. That's and that's where, what, you know, the kingdom mandate for blacks should be right now. Because if they don't, if we don't learn now, and we don't stand faithful now, when will we? We can't wait 25 years more. We can't wait. To, the devil's moving 50 years ahead of us. We can't wait 25 more years. This is something we have to implement now. Amen? So, so when we look at the Holy Bible, the Holy Bible tells us in Isaiah 29, 13, it says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as these people draw near with their mouth and with their lips and do honor me, but have removed their heart. Their heart, as, as, as uh, Chaplain Kevin Gray said, their heart, as uh, Bishop Dr. Priscilla Tuya said, the heart pour from me and their fear their fear is toward me is taught by the fear toward god yahuwah is taught by the precepts of men you see so if I'm so afraid because I, I'm not paying my tithes, it, the Holy Ghost is not in that. The Holy Ghost is not in that. Okay? So we have to go back to the truth because, you know, in Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus paid it all. 
He has paid it all. Hallelujah. Amen. So stop playing with them hearts out there. Stop playing with the souls. Amen. Amen. I I stop right there. I'm. I'm. I'm we have. Can I just ask quickly? Yes, go ahead. For three minutes, please. Now, if you turn to the book of First First Timothy, chapter one, verse two. He said, uh, <clears throat> chapter 2, verse uh, 4. He said, Who desired all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? So it is his will for us to be saved. Mm. It is his will for us to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, which means it's not entirely him. And also not entirely us. So it requires a cooperation of him and us. Yes. As, far, as far as he's concerned, it is his will for us to be saved. Mm -hmm. Want us to come to him. Want us to come to heaven. Then where do we start? We need to begin to know the truth. Mm -hmm. So you need, as a, an individual, needs to come to yourself and say, I want to know him. I want to know this knowledge they are talking about. I want to know the truth. So you have to behave like the Boreans when they hear the scripture, they search out the scripture, if this was true. You, you don't just take what, the, what your bishop has said, your pastor has said, as thou sayest the Lord. You have to search the scripture and see whether it aligns with the word of the God. Yeah. If it does not align with the word of the Lord, it won't bear any fruit to you. Mm -hmm. So that is where we need to sit down. Because he said in, in, the, in the book of John chapter 8, verse 31, he said, if, if Jesus says to those, to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And verse 32 said, he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We all need yes. freedom. We yes. all need peace. So if you know the truth, you have peace. And the truth shall set you free. Yeah, and, and the truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It, it, Dr. Gannon? Yes, go ahead, please. Um, wow. I want to go back to what you said. Thank you for sharing regarding solution, because you're, 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 you're a solution-based woman. And, and we, we, we can talk and talk, but we need to see the solutions. Mm -hmm. I pray and I ask the Lord, I say, Lord, in order for me to be the solution that you're looking for, there can be no uncleanness in me. So I can't say I want others to see the light and I'm living in darkness. So I ask the Lord, I say, Lord, you're going to have to do something in me, Lord. Now, I love you. Um, I, I, I thank you for your indwelling of your spirit. Lord, is there anything in me that I may not be aware of, Amen. Amen. knowingly and unknowingly? Amen. Is there anything that I am holding on to that would bring about confusion? Because your word says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus, you, 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 you're telling the people, he says, come, un, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, in order for people to enter into the rest of God, mm -hmm. we must now 
apply the scripture when Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if you read a little further, can he enter? So it is my prayer that in this season of shut-in, in this season of, of, of Zoom calls and Facebook, mm -hmm. that, Lord, you're using this time to purge your people, to lay down every obstacle, to lay down every ritual, every tradition, even generational curses mm -hmm. that we may or may not be aware of, anything that is mm -hmm. hidden, it has my destiny because I seem to want to, you know, it seems like I take one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, three steps back, mm -hmm. and I can't seem to get it together. Lord, is there anything in the spirit realm mm -hmm. that is holding me back from, from, from fulfilling my destiny? Mm -hmm. Because, Lord, I want to serve you. Yeah. And I want to serve you in spirit and in truth. And when I'm out here, I don't want people saying, mm, you know, I don't like his spirit. I don't like her. There's something wrong. I don't want to be, I don't want confusion mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. So we must, again, purge ourselves and fast and pray and ask God, Lord, am I ready to be sent out? Or, or are you saying, tarry in Jerusalem for a little longer? You're not ready to be sent out yet. Tarry a little bit longer in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, Lord, if this is a time where you are telling your people to sit down and get it together, then, Lord, if I'm one of those individuals, I will sit down and I will get it together and I will ask for your instructions before you send me out. I beg you. Yes. Amen. Yes. And I just want to say something else in closing. I just want to salute the, the, the forerunners. I want to salute the individuals of the early church, like the, like the John Wycliffe's and the Jan Hus's and the Martin Luther's, those individuals, why them? These are individuals that were not afraid to challenge authority and possibly even put their life on the line doing it. In fact, John Hus did. So um, are we willing to die? for Christ's namesake. I think it was Bishop Otuya that, that mentioned uh, uh, people coming into the church with machetes and, and guns and things like that. I'm gonna be very honest with you. If someone came into my church with a gun or machete, I don't know what my reaction would be. So I can't say, uh, oh, I, I wouldn't tolerate. I, I say, Lord, I pray that I would stand honorably and if that is to be my last thing on earth, Lord, absent from the body and present with the Lord. So, this is my this is my prayer, and I thank God for those early theologians and reformers of the names of the gentlemen who I've mentioned who challenged authority, who challenged the Roman Catholic Church, and that was no small ordeal. That was no small ordeal to challenge that Roman Catholic hierarchy, and they did it because they said we disagree with the direction that you're taking God's people. We don't believe in your indulgences. We don't believe in your doctrine. It doesn't add up. And they challenged him. And in the case of Martin Luther, uh, to his own excommunication. Hmm. To God be the glory. Thank God for the 95 Thesis. Thank God for God and his messenger shedding light on darkness. Mm -hmm. Shedding light on bondage. Mm -hmm. Amen. And uh, yeah, Martin Luther is one of my most favorite ones. Um, mm. I, I love it. Um, the history as far mm. as 
you know, him going and going back into the word of God and researching and making sure that what he was being taught yeah, was, was what it was. He, yeah. he went to the word of God. And that mm -hmm. is so important now is that we do go to the word of God. And um, we have just a few more minutes. Uh, uh, Elder Colin, would you like, do you have any final words as well that you would like to say? Yes, I, I again, I thank you for this because um, while I was asked to be a partaker and to share, I was thoroughly blessed today uh, by all that was shared. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm mindful of uh, Jude uh, verse 9 when it talks about uh, when the, the, the devil came to get Moses' body, mm. the archangel uh, rebuked him. I never understood why he would want Moses' body until the Lord shared with me. Mm -hmm. Had they been allowed to bury Moses in the desert where they were, many would have never left the desert because they would have stayed there to build a memorial to Moses mm -hmm. and they would have stopped serving God and would have began serving Moses. And so we talk about traditions and those are the type of things that, that we have to get past. And, and we talk about solutions. One of the greatest ways we can hear together, those of us that are here right now, the greatest thing we can do right now is to continue to teach God's word unapologetically. Teach it for what it says, precept upon precept. Be willing to say, hey, I don't know the answer to that. Let me study. And not just simply say, well, I heard a pastor preach in 97. He said this. And you go with that. And then you go, because even, even as I'm listening to scriptures, I mean, to uh, sermons, when they mention a the scripture, I literally go and look to make sure that it's saying what they're saying that it's saying. It's not a, it's not a fact check, and I'm trying to prove them wrong. But I just never want to uh, misquote the word. Right. You just never know. I know how important every word in the Bible is. I know how important one single word is from God that can totally change your whole life. Yes. I know just how impactful the word of God can be. And so I never want to. I try very hard not to paraphrase. I try very hard not to um, interject my own personal thoughts and feelings mm -hmm. about it. Uh, so one of the things we can do is just continue to teach it unapologetically to, to correct those when we see that they're in error. Be willing to be corrected. Uh, as you have done for me, Dr. Donna, we, we've had several conversations and you said, well, no, uh, sir, you wrong in this area. I appreciate that. I never take offense to that. And so that to me is one of the greatest things that we can do is to just continue to, to not only teach it properly, but also remember we are called to be the light of the world. Mm -hmm. It's not a season in the time for us to start trying to find corners to hide in. Yeah. Uh, this is not a season for us to start trying to be anything except for the light that he's called us to be. Because even in the beginning when he says, let there be light, he did not create light because mm -hmm. God is light. He simply revealed mm -hmm. himself to the world. Mm -hmm. That's what he's calling for us to do. Yes. Heal ourselves because we are supposed to be uh, living epistles read daily of men. And so I just want to encourage everyone that's on here, just continue to do what you've already been doing. Mm -hmm. Continue to teach the word, preach the word, share the gospel, be that light, be the salt, uh, and do all the things that Christ has called us to do. 
And I love each and every one of you. And I thank you for sharing. And again, I was probably more blessed than, than anyone else. And so I thank you mm -hmm. for that. Amen. And um, Dr. Bishop, Dr. Priscilla Atulia, your final word. Yeah, um, thank God for today's meeting. It has been really interesting. I just want to go this route. Let me use me as an example in answering our sister's question about solution. There was a time when I was not in the Lord. And there was a time when the Lord brought me into the fold. Something happened in between. I never went to the Lord by myself. I never sought the Lord by myself. Nothing was done by my power. At the appointed time of God, he located me. Now, where I'm going to is this, the solution, we should be available unto every good works. Because on our own, we cannot do anything. Mm. Be the light, like the elder just said, wherever you are, be prepared, be available. You are the living epistle. Let the people around you see Christ in your action. Let them see Christ in everything. Because you see, we should also be careful not to engage into what we are talking against. Like we said earlier, tradition, religion, the letter of the word, they are all different sides of the same coin. So the way we go about saying, do this, do that, it becomes another tradition. So I say, be available wherever you are, be led by the spirit of God, be the light, be the epistle, allow God to use you, allow your neighbor to see Christ through you. The Bible says, how can you say you love God that you do not see, you don't love your neighbor? Mm -hmm. So I am the Christ that my neighbor can see. The Lord told me to serve a certain man of God. And I said, okay. And I said, but I don't know him. He said, you don't have to know him. I am sending you to serve him. He said, the honor you will give to me, Christ, that you cannot see, give it to him. Serve him selflessly. So my take is that we should be available unto every good work and be led by the spirit of God. Because the times differ. We have different situations, different people at different places, just like the Roman centurion and Peter. Peter was among those that Jesus told, do not go near the Gentile. But when there was a need to meet a Gentile, the Lord God Almighty came through him in a parable, in a way. He said, kill and eat. He said, Lord, I've not eaten any unclean animal since I was born. And the Lord queried him, how dare you call what I've been unclean? understand me now this roman centurion was giving up doing religious things but because christ saw him wanted to come to the fold god made peter ready and sent him to minister the word of salvation to him so my final take is be available be the light be the epistle mm -hmm. amen and reverend dancia jones morris do you have any final words I'm just grateful and thankful to you um, and to this full panel. Uh, I think I've learned a little bit more than Colin probably has learned. And I am eternally grateful to be a part of such um, scholars. Um, I, don't, I count it a joy to talk about this subject and hopefully it won't stop because I believe it's definitely solution oriented. Um, I also believe that um, this needs to go out to a lot more people and for it's held up a lot of people in the church. And if it's impacted me and I'm studying the word of God, I definitely know those who are 
weaker in the body of Christ are struggling. So I, I thank you for, um, for hosting this, for encouraging us to be a part of this. I am grateful to each and every panelist. Um, I'm also grateful for the fact that we are able to, to talk about the word of God in such a way that it's impactful to all of us and others. And it's incredibly important um, to hear from the men and women of God and to put it so plainly and, and be ashamed of it and, and, and say it in a way that, that we can convict the hearts and minds of men. So I'm excited about what God is going to repa Thank you, Jesus. What God is going to give on us, what God is going to do as a result of your influence, Dr. Gani. Um, I will say this um, everything that you're doing, um, it is storing up. To impact this kingdom of God in the earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So never get weary and well never get weary and well doing. Thank you, Jesus. For you shall reap and don't faint. And what he's brought you through in these last three months. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. God's going to give you double. Mm. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Many do not know what you've gone through, but I'll tell you this. Because he's allowed you. Ooh, because he's allowed you to breathe again. So because he's allowed you to breathe again. You will breathe into the lives of many women, boys, and girls. Ooh, Jesus. And, and the mommy that you are under, whoo, that anointed oil is falling and resting upon you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for your strength right now. Hallelujah. Woo, for the enemy is absolutely disturbed. <laughs> yes, Lord Jesus. But he does not get the glory. Mm-mm-mm. He does not get the glory at all. To God be the glory for the great things that he has done in your life. And so, my sister, I encourage you. Ooh, God, thank you. And this is not what I wanted to say, but thank you, Jesus. I encourage you with all of the strength of everyone that's on here in the name of Jesus that you go forth. Don't look at the numbers, but look at the quality. Look at what God is doing. The spirit of God is upon you. <laughs> yes, God. Oh, my God. Ooh. And the legacy of your name, he's making great. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. There be, may be no biological, but there are definitely children being birthed. And I'm one of them. Thank you, Jesus. We shall carry out in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Remember only what you do for Christ will last. Remember only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for him will be counted in the end. Only what you do for Christ will last. Remember only what you do for Christ will last. Remember only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for him, ooh, Jesus, will be counted in the end. Only what you do for Christ will That that wasn't nothing but God. Mm. And um I thank God for her obedience because only God knows. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Only God knows. Thank you. And talking about breath to breathe, only he can give it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> Mm. Mm. Only God can give it. Mm. 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 Jesus. Lord. <laughs> you know, and um, Elder Colin Lewis, when you said earlier about, you know, not going to the hospital, hey, you're right. <laughs> Stay at home and put your trust in, in the Lord because he can do it. Can I, do know it. it. I know it to be true. I know it to be true. Mm. I know mm. it he can do it. 
Mm-hmm. You know it to be true. I, I got that much faith and mm-hmm. confidence mm-hmm. in the healing power uh, of yeah. not just the blood, but of the body. And then, Let me like tell Paul you. said, that's the <laughs> reason you... why so many of us are sick and weak among us because we mm-hmm. do not discern the body. And too mm-hmm. often, all we talk and preach about is the blood, and the blood has its place and its power. But it was the body that was broken for us to be mm. healed. It was not the blood. It was the body that was bruised for mm. all of our transgressions. It's the body where we get our strength. Because oh. when you go back and you read it in, in the Old Testament, it talks about them eating the body is what gave them the strength. Even the elders and even the ones that were sick among them had the strength to make the journey. Mm. Yes, God. But see, I know. You know, I know. You, when you sit in somewhere and ambulances is moving every few seconds, mm-hmm. you hear an ambulance going. Yes, God. And you can barely breathe. Mm-hmm. And your blood pressure is going down as low as toxic level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All you can do is say, Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know oh, that man. no man can do it. No. You know, no woman can do it. Mm. You will put your trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you, you, you don't pick up the phone, you can't call mm. nobody and mm. say, let me breathe. Mm. Only God can do it. Yeah. Only God can do it. Yeah. I'm telling you, only God can do it. You might can't get a medicine. You can't, may can't get nothing. Mm. Okay, but God will tell you, God will instruct you all the way through it, mm. what to do. No man can do it. And so, you know, body of Christ out there, I tell you, I tell you now, that was the work of God. Mm. Hmm. I have no doubt that that mm. was the work of God. Mm. And, um, All I can tell you, coronavirus, cancer, kidney, whatever it is, put your trust in the Lord because he can do it. Doctors are are locked, you know, locked in too. They they in. Doctors are getting sick too. So put your trust in the Lord. Yeah, I wanted to say something as well with regards to mm-hmm. our men and women uh, in the medical field. Uh, we God, God bless them for the work that they do. And I also don't want anyone to misconstrue the message. Like, okay, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm going to pray. No, yeah, God, be, be yeah, careful I with that. With you. I don't get deep you. on us. <laughs> Doctors and nurses totally. have a purpose. Mm-hmm. They medicine. They Okay, so we, we don't want people just, you know, saying, okay, I, I'm just yeah. going to pray my way through. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're not diminishing no, we're the not power saying. of the blood of Jesus. But we're also saying how God can now use medicine. He can use doctors. Because I, 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 I'll share something with you. There have been people mm-hmm. who have gone to the doctor, and I'm sure there's many testimonies, maybe even some people who, who are listening. And you go to the doctor. And the doctor said, we can't find nothing wrong with you. And you keep, but you know there's something wrong. So what do you do? You keep going to that doctor. You keep going to the hospital. And then you say that, you know, I just keep going back and they keep telling me that everything is normal. 
So now, if my problem isn't natural, then maybe it's supernatural. So God will use doctors and nurses for his glory and for healing, and he will also use it as a process of elimination to say, Your, my brother, my, my anointed, my son, my daughter, your problem is not natural. You are under spiritual attack right now, and you need deliverance. So we use the doctors and nurses to rule out any sort of physical uh, 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 condition that we may be going through. And we say, okay, I see what you're doing, devil. You're trying to get me to run back and forth to the hospital to the point where them doctors become frustrated with me coming, uh, uh, running back and forth. And they say, you know what? You need to go to that psych unit just down the hall there. Maybe they can help you. So now you're crazy. <laughs> but you know what? God says, no, you're not crazy. You're under attack. Mm. So we thank God mm. for well, do we thank God for sickness? I don't know who wants to be sick, but Lord, mm. when I said yes to you, that means I said yes to danger. That means I said yes to the fact that you're going to break me. I said yes to persecution. I said yes to even death. So I know I'm going to be afflicted. I know there's going to be a thorn in my flesh. And we just have to get to a point in our walk where we just say, Lord, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. I am going to trust you in my infirmity. I'm going to trust you in my distress. I'm going to trust you in the midst of my sickness. This is not easy. This is not easy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that this is, this is easy. This is not easy. But when we get to that place called sick and tired, as, as my former senior pastor said, uh, Pastor David Wilkerson, God bless him in his ministry. When you get to that place called sick and tired, that's where God can now begin to do his best work. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, right now, the way I, we also have to look at it is that I, I, want, I want to say this, and I'm, I'm not discrediting anything but um what i'm learning is god is what through the lesson what i learned through what i went through myself is that the lord is showing me showing us that he has power amen. on high is greater than anything on this earth Amen. That yes. we can trust it. That that's what the Lord was showing me, and I'm saying that let Him meet you where your faith is, where your faith level is, because not everybody is at that faith level. And I want to say that if you are at any point struggling in that area. It's a time for you to get to know him and trust him. That, that's what I want to say, because this is the time to know that without your Bible, that you trust him and that that word is written in your heart and in your mind, that wherever you are, if you're out in the desert and you, you don't have access to as many people have done, they went out to places. They couldn't get back to a doctor. Put your trust in the Lord. Let your ultimate trust be in him. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. Because 
sometimes you just can't move. You can't get to where you need to. And those ambulances are running, but they may not pass by you. That, that's what I have to say. Okay. So um, I want to ask uh, our mommy, um, Dr. Bishop, Dr. Priscilla Atulia, can you pray for us as we close out now? We've gone over well over. Lord, I want to say a big thank you to you for who you are. We thank you because, oh Lord Almighty, every day we come to know it's not by our power. It's by your love, your spirits, your predestination and ordination. We return all the glory and praise unto you because you are the most high God. We thank you for the privilege to be called your servants and your ministers. We thank you for all you have taught us tonight. We thank you for all that we have gone through and all we will yet go through. We thank you for every trial, every temptation. We thank you for every new thing, every turn, every bend. We thank you because, oh God, without captivity, there cannot be deliverance. Father, we appreciate you because, oh God Almighty, as it is written, you have seen the end from the beginning. And God Almighty, you said you know the thoughts you have for us. They are thoughts of good, not of evil, but we have an expected end. Lord, we trust you with our lives. We trust you in everything. We trust you. And we thank you for the grace to trust you. For again, I say it's not by power. Lord God of Israel, we return all the praise and glory to you. And for all those that have had a voice today, Father, we thank you for meeting them at the points of their need. We thank you for answering the questions in their heart. We thank you for drawing them, oh God, to yourself. Lord, there's no error in everything that's been said here today. You want somebody to hear something. You want somebody to know something. You want them to see through certain situations. And we thank you because you are going to use it all to the glory of your name. Yeah. And at the end of it all, we shall have cause to say yes. Indeed, you have been good and you are good. Father, we thank you. We commit our host into your hands. All we can say is thank you for her life because, oh God, life is hid in you and you in Christ. We appreciate you, God Almighty. We're going to meet again someday soon. And we thank you for going ahead of us, for putting your words in our mouth and helping us to speak the truth always. Lastly, I pray, God Almighty, we know each time we come out, to do the truth, to speak the truth, we know. The devil is not happy. He will come like a flood. But we thank you because your word also said, when he comes like a flood, you have already lifted in our lives a hedge against him. And no evil shall come against us in any way. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. But we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris, for being obedient unto the Lord. Thank you. And God bless everyone. Thank you so much for coming out and serving the Lord, sharing the Word of God, and taking um, time out of yourself to deliver the Word of God to hopefully many people who will eat from this, learn from this, and not only, I'm not saying eat from what we have said, but hopefully as, you know, they say, oh, chew the meat and throw away the bone. 
and um, chew the meat very well and digest it very well and learn what thus says the Lord in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you all. And thank you for joining us. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Bless you all. God bless you all. Thank you. We love you. Thank God. And we love you too. We love you all. You guys are dear to my heart more than you think. God bless you all.